I'm Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm Aaron Jeffrey. I'm Jasmine Jasmus. I'm Mike Malak. I'm Rafael Stop. Tune into Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. John Jones. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. To me, the Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their homework. Man, I like saying the rankings are bullshit. <laughs> From Got a really high fight IQ. For this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. I levels to the shit. So many high level guys. So like the line is crazy. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, no, we're good. See, he's a pro. But uh, don't stop podcast. We're back. We are here with Billy Briz of uh, Pub Sports Radio. Welcome back, my friend. Good to see you. Yeah, happy holidays to you and all the special guests that are watching this episode um, on the pre-records. Uh, we're looking at UFC Vegas 84, Johnny Walker versus Magomed and Goliath. Uh, honestly, for a fight night card, uh, from an overview perspective, pretty good offerings for a first card back. Uh, we got some household names and we got some up-and-comers up on this card. And uh, I think it's a good selection of props. Props that uh, we can attack. Uh, that's the way that I'm looking into more of this year, this upcoming year, is um, really hammering down on these props and try to eliminate. We're going to find some good ones then because I got some good stats for you some for some props with that Manel Cop fight we're going to get into, with the Jim Miller fight that we're going to get into. I got some good stats on those. So we're going to find some props and we're going to cash this fucking first ticket of the year. And you, you and I, when we're on, I know we'll be a little more regular than anybody else. Um, we'll let's 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 crush this fucking year in mma and anybody who are doubters can can kick rocks and those of you who've been sticking with us let's go because this year's going to be the best year for the don't tap podcast so um i'm gonna let you take it away with your first spot and then i will uh either agree and jump in with my spot or we'll come up with another one yeah it wouldn't be right if we started off this episode without showing the sugar show and uh, I think his teammate is going to be the best bet of the card. Marcus McGee versus Gaston Bellanos here. Um, that line opened up around 250. Now we're seeing that line creep up in the 300s. I think by fight night, by next that or next next Saturday, uh, Marcus McGee is probably going to close around that minus 400, 450 range, and deservedly so. This is a great stylistic matchup for him. Bellanos, we saw him in that first UFC fight. Uh, didn't really look like a guy that you wanted to back as a favorite. Um, he was highly favored in that spot. And um, the matchmakers weren't really too happy with that result. Uh, as you could tell, they're kind of making him the B-side in this uh, fight here against Marcus McGee. I think Marcus McGee has many paths to victory. Um, while this is, a, this is a striker versus grappler matchup in my eyes, uh, we're going to see Marcus McGee really grapple here. And uh, a good way to get on this fight could be the under two and a half. Marcus McGee inside a distance. Marcus McGee by submission uh, is the way I'm looking at for this one. Um, even though he's a big favorite, there's going to be a lot of props and angles to get in on this one. I think this fight isn't going to go too long. And uh, I think Marcus McGee keeps the good times rolling for us. Yeah, Marcus McGee, what's the best line for him right now? Um, 244 on the bet online. There we go. Yeah, I can see that. 244 on better line. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even probably find your way to props with that. I think he does have an advantage there. I could see him sort of get, gaining control in the, in the grappling realm, even on the fence, um, land some big shots on the feet. Um, yeah, I mean, Bologna's really, it was more about the fade there, man. Um, I don't know what happened with him. 
everybody was on him. I think pretty much he was sort of a, one of the darling spots. I don't know if he was the Twitter spot, but um, and he just sort of fizzled. So, and I think McGee is just one of those guys you're going to see stick around in the UFC for a little while. Maybe not, you know, crack a top, you know, fifteen, but still put in some good work. And um, yeah, it was really Aaron Phillips fight. He was fighting dude off of a two year layoff. It was the first time that we've seen him in a long time, and he just looked so under impressive in that spot and we know who aaron phillips really is aaron phillips is a guy that doesn't have a chin but he's gonna grapple your ass off and if he's able to bring you down to the ground like that i mean i think marcus mcgee's levels above aaron phillips and um i think this line's going the right way for us we talk about line movement and line movement doesn't always reflect in good closing line value sometimes line movement may just confirm what you already know Okay, I'm going to come in with my um, first spot of the day. Um, man, I'm going to go with Manal Kapp. And I know that's somebody who you backed throughout the year, and it's somebody who I was sort of fading initially after he first came into the UFC because of this actual matchup, because of the Matus Nicolau matchup, where I was actually backing Manal Kapp, and uh, Nicolau comes out and sort of splits it up with a little bit of takedowns, and it's a greasy decision. And Manal Kapp just didn't sort of look like himself, to be honest. He outvolumed Nicolau in that fight, but, you know, it didn't quite look that the way uh, – the way he does, because he lands big shots. He wins either big moments or he's going to finish you. That's it. That's what he is. He's a setup striker, but he also lands big power. Those are the most dangerous guys. Guys that can actually set up a, a, a proper strike, not just throwing out big shots, and then also land with power. Um, so I know Manau, Manau Kopp right now, he's lost to Nicolau in the split decision. But, you know, with uh, Nicolau, three of his four losses are inside the distance, and all of them are in the first round. So that's the first thing we can look at. That's that's the first thing we look at. Then if you look at Manal Kopp, two of his UFC wins, two out of his four UFC wins come inside the distance, and both of them are in the first round. So if you don't like the minus 205 that we're looking at right now, Chalk, we are a distance away. You can start to look at ways for when those lines drop. If you want to get to round betting, look at that rounds one and two. Look at Manal Kopp inside the distance. I think he finishes this inside the distance this time. I think he's a different fighter, or at least a diff he'll come up with a different approach. He's more bloodthirsty. You listen to him talk, and he's... He seems sort of pissed off. Um, so I think uh, Manal Kopp is definitely a play. He's going to be my, my lead spot. I'll probably even parlay him a little bit. Um, crazy coming, you know, considering the fact that he's lost to this, this you know, his opponent. But he's also minus 205. Vegas knows the deal. Split decision, to be honest with you. I bet on Manal Kopp, every one of his UFC Well, fights. it was the takedown, right? It That's was all the it was. And they weren't really, They weren't really valuable, but it's like – but something that you noted, it felt like he was low volume in that fight from like from having like a bad. He played to the level of his competition, I think, in that fight. I think that was his problem. But he Sorry, still struck him though, man. 61 to 55 at the end of the fight with the significant strikes total. Um, it it's a weird conundrum. I feel like this could be one of those type of spots where you bet on the favorite, the favorite kind of goes back down to even odds live, but he ends up winning the fight still. Um, I could definitely see this line yo-yoing live line wise, but I, I, I can't not not bet on Manel Cop. I mean, regardless of him being taken down. Um, yeah, we just, are a little early, right? So if we find a way to it, whatever way you find a way to it, whether it's throwing it in one of your secondary parlays or or going all in on, on props, whatever way. But I just think he's potentially deciding this and not potentially. I think, he's, about the I think he's heavily deciding this. How do you feel about the totals here? We're seeing the uh, coveted. Flyweight total here over two and a half minus two hundred under two and a half plus one sixty. Um, does that feel like a trappy ass over two and a half? 
I don't know because I think that like I've already said it like basically if it ends it's gonna end early based on at least these guys this guy's history right both of these guys so but at the same time I also could see a late ass grizzly overhand from cop catching Nicolau late in the fight um that so I mean it could be but I mean I think based on what we've seen and what I just put out as far as stats maybe not you know I, I wouldn't make it one of your top plays but I think it would actually I think there's some value there so I think I actually might why be a way to attack it the only reason why I bring up the total is because um, it feels like just off of the odds alone, if seeing the total, his KR decision prop is probably going to be either slightly cheaper than the money line at like minus 200. So you start going into the, we got a cap inside the prop. Cause I think a lot of the wind condition inside the distance for uh, is inside the distance for him and Al cap in this fight. But I can also see him throwing enough damage where, like you said, he dropped him a couple of times. Mateus Nicolau, he's a slicky one. Like, just because he gets dropped doesn't mean he's out of the fight. And this does squeak over to the judges' scorecards, and he just wins a unanimous decision. Okay. Yeah, I, like I said, I think um, Manel cops the side. The minus 205, I'm even still good with, to be honest. I'll even still hit that money line right now. But um, I'm starting to go real real um, Billy Briz. I, I've really actually been analyzing a lot of the top cappers you know, Mr. Plus Money, some of the guys that are out there that have been doing stuff, a lot of the guys from Pub Sports Radio and how you guys bet when your running tickets come out, looking at like how you're hitting your money lines compiled with your 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 pattern of adding in a couple of parlays and looking at certain props and stuff. So I've been trying to to learn that way. And I think that, you know, Manel Cap, I'll hit that money line first and then I'll probably still sprinkle a little par, a little um, a little prop play as well, too. So bring in your second spot, Mr. Billy Briz. Yeah, second spot that we're gonna look at here is actually one that um I don't I don't know how we're getting on it exactly yet. We get his UFC debut against Nicholas Mata. While you think Nicholas you would think Nicholas Mata would be a live dog in this spot, his chin is absolutely it's completely done. Done. dog shit. I don't I think this actually is- thank you. At the end of the podcast, we'll be going through who we're on and who we're off. And I've been sort of up and down with Nicholas Mata, and I'm off the Mata train. He's added, I have four people that I'm off the train. Um, so I'll add that to the list. Yes, Nicholas Mata's done. I'm not really a, a, a giant fan of no one in re- regards to him cracking into a certain level of competition. I think he's a fade really quick. However, I think this matchup with his length um, and just cracking that chin of Mata, I think, yeah, it's a side. I almost looked at this one. I was going to dig a little further and, and deeper into it, but it's the first fight of the night. It's the first podcast of the year. I, I Not that I want to, you know, be gutless, but I want to try to come up with some big, you know, winner spots. But I'm glad that you brought this one in. I was, I, I was thinking about it. No, I know. He is a fade, and I was thinking about it. So I'm glad you had the balls to to, to bring this one to the table. I, I like it, man. I, I, I think that's the way we go here is uh, not only do we parlay Tom Nolan for that week, uh, we go rounds one or two. I think he can get this done early, man. And uh, I – if that is the case, if this is the first fight of the night of this card, that makes me like it even better because they usually like to start off the year with a bang. Nolan's not a bad, maybe do a two, like try to find a, a two-piece parlay that's an early parlay on the prelims that way, or at least the, one of the first cards on the main card. So you're, you're passionate on a decent parlay going into those bigger fights and you're not uh, feeling pressure of chasing stuff if you have another ticket that doesn't hit. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I like Tom Nolan in that for multiple reasons. Um, like I said, I think future fate, um, but definitely Tom Nolan over Nicholas Mata. He's he's I'm off the Mata train because uh, I've sort of been up and down with him in spots. So definitely see that one. Next, I'm going to bring my spot. It's going to be my dog, my first dog of the year. 
And, and Cal, although he puts stuff out, does not track the way he should. Um, sure, I have a, a little, I, I track online with an app, but actually tracking and actually going through my dogs and putting them out there regularly, keeping those numbers up so everybody can see them. That's something I need to be on because that's how you, the plus money that was hit last year on the dogs and some of the prop plays that I put out is stupid. And I think that when I have losing weeks, I need to be able to have those numbers in front so I can really have, have context and really to be able to drive the train for my own motivation and for the viewership as well, too. I'm going to come in with Jim Miller, man. I think this line is actually off. I think it's wrong because of what people expect from a guy who's about to retire at UFC 300. And I don't think Jim, Jim, there's a few there's few outliers to retirement, right? Paul Daly was one. There's guys that will, you know, retire and you're like, oh, well, we got to fade them. Well, he's not checking out. Jim Miller's going to be two feet into the fucking sand until he finishes that final fight at UFC 300. And Jim Miller coming in is plus 114 at FanDuel right now. Um, if we're looking at his opponent in uh, Benitez, Benitez, six of his 10 losses are coming inside the distance. Mixed bag of subs and KOs, and Jim Miller does both. He hits hard as fuck, and he's a sub champion. He's, he's one of the top guys in the UFC as far as hitting subs. I'll give you one further. Four out of six of his last fights have been first-round losses by knockout. And Jim Miller, four of his last five contests are all inside the distance. Um, and you're saying, yeah, four of six last, and they're all first round. So there's ways to find your way to this. But honestly, man, you don't even need to. Don't even get cute with it. Jim Miller. Dog money, cash it now. I'm going to try to get this up as fast as possible so people can get it. I think this line flips if people are sharp. Because if, what's the other side of it? Why is the line the other way? Like, Benitez was on a huge losing streak until his last fight. What are we even talking about? It just seems He was weird. getting fucking smoked. It's not like there's certain ways to lose a fight. But if you're getting smoked by, like, I, I remember this fight clearly. This is the last time I ever bet on him was against uh, was, uh, Sadiq Youssef. 2019 and he just got smoked in that spot um his last couple wins are like fringe level ufc talent jason knight is a person that we see fighting jorge mazadal's <laughs> fucking gay bread promotions now uh justin james is not a ufc level fighter he might have had the worst chin out of this whole entire list of people and then you get charlie ontiveros who probably has a worser chin than the dude uh, it I don't know, man. His wins aren't that impressive. And here's the thing, too. If it is a narrative thing, because I know you love narrative, if it is a narrative thing and they're going on the other side saying, you know, he might be one foot out and whatever else, do you think he wants to try to fuck up his chance of being at UFC 300? The best way for him to get to UFC 300 is to finish Benitez early, come in prepared, come in sharp, come in ready. This fight means everything to him. He wants to get to 300. He wants to be one of the only fighters to ever do, or the only fighter to ever do that thing. Um, so yeah, this is there's big stakes for him in this fight. This is this is the fight before UFC 300. Jim Miller wants to win this. He wants to win this, you know, the way he does. He lands big shots, and the questions of his cardio and the questions of him retiring, it's just all, it's all out in the wind. It's a bunch of bullshit. If you're gonna bet on that at this point, after he's on a four four out of five of his last fights where he wins, I'm just confused by how you bet. So well, I'm gonna Jim Miller in, dog great. money. The Alex Hernandez fight for Jim Miller showed that he can go 15 minutes still at this age against somebody who's more. I mean, we know Alex Hernandez gases and fights, but in that fight specifically, it was more of he waited a little bit for the first five minutes and then he ended up gassing throughout the third round. But I like that spot there, though, man. Uh, I might be telling you on that one with the jokes. With the dog shot of Jim Miller, and I wouldn't even be mindful of paying a chalk price tag for 
maybe a, even a uh, spread parlay or a spread play on that one plus three. And I'll a probably half. I'll probably double down on that. It'll be uh, I'll hit the plus money now, and then wherever the spread play is when it comes out, if there's some value in it, I'll hit it too. That way, I have some security and a double down lined up. Yeah, even this this goes to judge from some cappers this year that I that I talk to regularly. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, this I mean, the judge's scorecards. I could see this being a split for Jim Miller on the side of Jim Miller. So there's a lot of ways I think there's more paths to victory for Jim Miller than there is bigger Gabriel. moments and decisions, attacking subs, if it's on the ground, on the feet. Like there's no way that like Vegas has got somebody looking at this matchup thinking that it's beneficial for Benanitas more. It's just got to be on the idea that they think he's going to retire. And that's why the line is where it is. So for me, give me Jim Miller. I'm in. You bring me your next spot, brother. Yeah, next spot here is a prop play, but um, I there's a money line that you can go with Waldez Cortez Acosta over Andre Olaski, but that's a little bit too chalky to the point where you start thinking about the other side. But um, one fight that we're looking at here in the main card: Ricky Simon versus Mario Bautista fight goes mm. the distance. Thank you for bringing that up. That one's going to hit the judge's scorecards, and the over two and a half is telling me that it probably will. It's at minus 170, uh, so we'll probably see fight goes the distance around minus 150. And I think Ricky Simon wins a unanimous decision, but if he doesn't, I think he could lose. It, that fight has a lot of different ways that I see it playing out, but all the ways I see it playing out are hitting the judge's scorecards. Um, the only person I could see really getting it inside the distance Maybe Ricky Simon, but I, he would have to push a crazy amount of volume. And even when he does push volume, it's more of like what I call empty volume. Nothing that's going to dangerously kill you or anything like that or put you down. But it definitely looks good on the judges scorecards. I think it's a reasonable line at minus 160. But if the line's at minus 160 for Ricky Simon, why wouldn't you just take fight goes to distance at the same exact odds? You get both fighters. And um, I, I think this is the way I'm going to go on that. Uh, coveted first fight card of the main card i think it will be um over two and a half minus 170 is telling you that shit's in the judge's scorecards yeah i like the value on it because i think that the expectation is that if there is a finish it actually would be Batista's side of things he's a fucking killer like he is an absolute killer and although i think he could win some moments even on the feet i think you know it's why i stayed off this fight because i actually want to actually go on the Batista side of it um, just because I do see some value in his damage. But then when you go on the side of uh, Ricky Simone, it's, his wrestling's there. He's got big shots when he's on top. He's got good ground and pound. But he has good positional wrestling, and he, and he has good, good control. Right on the cage, taking you down. He just he, he knows what he's doing. If he plays that game, I could definitely see a unanimous decision where, where you have Benitez and be throwing some elbows from the bottom, um, trying to attack some submissions off the bottom for sure. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, but I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to touch anything on this fight because I, I am a big Batista backer, but this is a huge step up. This is the fight for him. It's either shit or get off the pot. Is he that good? Because, you know, Ricky Simone is, is a guy that has just such a high level of wrestling with with the damaging strikes. He's he's a problem for anybody, you know, just like a, like a Josh Emmett situation with a little more control time. Yeah, Ricky Simone is kind of like that type of person that you have to fight in the UFC at the Bantamweight division to really crack that top 10, top 15, just because of the way of his fighting style is like Kyle was talking about that wrestling that he brings. So when he's wrestling like that, you want to know that if the person that you're bringing up is going to have the sense of wrestling, uh, it's a very, it's a very <laughs> chalky line for um ricky simon 
And I can understand the dog shot scenario because this feels like a lot of his other fights. Song Yudong was trying to crack that top 15. Jack Shore was trying to crack that top 15. And then the other three fights were kind of like build-up fights for him prior to that. So we saw in that Jack Shore fight, it was a fight where the vet ended up pulling out that triangle choke. Maybe that's the lasting memory of why I think it could be inside a distance for Ricky Simone. But I think it's going to be a lot of his other fights that kind of went to the judges scorecards. Um, Ricky Simone has been wrapping up these arm triangle chokes. So as long as Mario Bautista stays out of the arm triangle choke, I, I think this is in the judges scorecards. Um, he's coming out of fight ready. We got it. I mean, the MMA lab, the MMA lab has a couple of fighters already on this card that we talked about. Marcus McGee is on this card. Um, that is a good point about that arm triangle, though. Like it, the idea that that's hit one of his things he might get the inside the distance with, but Mario Batista is active enough on it off his back that won't probably, won't probably happen, and it'll be greasy. Go decision, go to an over. I like it. Yeah, that fight's greasy, man. Um, that's that's why I wanted to bring it up. Like, if you're betting the Ricky Simone side, I would just lean towards. Everybody's going to be betting on that fight, so it's good for you to bring that up because we got to try to figure out what way to give them a, an angle on it, right? And Orlovsky, you sort of talked about it. He was it was death taxes. Orlovsky by decision, and the new Orlovsky, but not anymore, man. That's uh, it's over. It's, it's over. time. You've been around for a long time, you know. You were on, you know, you've been around since the dawn of time in UFC. It's time to call it. Shouldn't even taken in this fight. I think you should have retired already. Um, this is this needs to be a retirement fight, especially if he gets rocked, which he's going to. Um, Waldo Cortez Acosta, somebody who I didn't back initially coming in, but. Uh, Definitely like him now. I think his boxing is, is, is slick enough on the feet with that power. As he gets more and more camps under him at that level, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a problem. He's not going to be at the top of the division, but uh, he's definitely a guy to mix around. It's the um, coveted uh, UFC matchup where they put the veteran that everybody's going to know against an up-and-comer that they're really high on but doesn't – like, Waldis Cortez Acosta has no personality. He's not the type of guy that wins a fight and he's grabbing the mic and he's hitting you with some fucking great catchphrase that the UFC will run on and on and on. His popularity is only going to go up by him fighting in the cage against people that we know. And Andre Olaski is a staple of the division. And this is the type of, this is the right type of step up in competition. Regardless though, the line is a little bit wide, but I, it, it's if you're getting knocked out by Dante Mays, man, it's time to hang that shit up. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Dante Mays, but uh, he did have a good finish of the year. So, but uh, if you look at it, man, um, I'm gonna bring my final spot to the table, and this one, you're, I think you're gonna be on the other other side of it. I just see, looking at the the line keeps getting wider already, and if it gets wider by showtime, I'm taking a prop. I'm taking sorry, sorry, a plus three not play on this one because I think the guy has so much value, and I know guys that have fought with him, trained with him, um, you know, lost to him. Uh, Taylor Lapolis is no joke. He's a high level fighter. He's got high level wrestling and high level striking. And I think that him and Fareed could go the distance. And if this line continues to push value, I don't need to get too crazy on this. Um, the Bashar brothers are demons, and everybody loves them, and everybody wants to bet on them. But there's going to be a moment in time where they don't look like demons. And I don't know if it's this fight, but I, I think this could go the distance. I think that it, it's likely a Fareed win. But I think Lapolis makes it greasy. And if you're holding a Fareed ticket, like I was thinking about, do I go on the Bashar side of this? Could I? What would I feel like if I was on a Basharat side of this in some way, shape, or form? I feel greasy. I'll be honest with you. Lapalus, um, you know, decent strength of schedule has fought some pretty high-level guys. 
And, you know, his last fight, everybody was like, do I go with him? Do I go with the Irishman? That wasn't even that, that, that fight to me, like the Irishman was overrated in my opinion. And I think Lapalus was a spot always. So for me, um, I'm just, just look at that. If there's value on that plus three and a half to, to sneak one round in, you know, I'll probably be on an Island by myself with this one, but I'm okay with it. Um, I don't know if I have the balls to actually pony up to a dog play. Cause I don't know if he, he would win the fight. I think that three would have bigger moments, um, maybe attacking himself on the ground as well too, but I don't think he gets him out of there. And I think Lapalus could have moments and potentially went around. So, um, give me table Lapalus plus three and a half. Dad, I, I don't blame you. Uh, it's a weird fight. Yeah, weird fight. Uh, Furry Basharat at 250 is like, you're really being asked to really, is he really that good? I mean, if it was Javid Basharat, I probably would be going to the betting window with it. But I like Javid Basharat more than Fareed. So uh, even though Fareed has been performing, though, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Rafael Baez pulling out? Now we get Matthew Selmisberger versus Preston Parsons. Is that a uh, smash bot for the semi-Jedi? Man, I, I used to be a huge semi the Jedi backer, but I've been stuck in fights where I'm sweating, like I'm sweating, like like swamp ass, sweating, palm sweating, like because I don't know what he's doing. And he can land big shots and look like he's still winning the fight, but he's just so it gets so greasy at times. Um I was looking at that one too, but I'm gonna probably stay off that one. Um I think he does win it. I think he 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 potentially even gets Parsons out of there with a late uh late KO, but I'm gonna stay off of that one. I don't know. It feels greasy to me. Burger is just one of those guys, I, I, I sort of, once I feel I don't have a read on anybody and I can't figure it out, I'm just to sort of stay off them. Again, like, they're going on my list. He was already on my list last year, and now, you know, he'll be with Anthony, Anthony Smith, will be hanging out with him this year. Yeah, he's definitely on that list of, like, uh, whatever the public is doing that week, just do the opposite. <laughs> uh, I remember that Euros Medic fight, everybody and their moms was on Burger round two, round three. And end up being medic who had the better fucking cardio. Yeah, he looked like he was sucking wind, and he was like, because he throws a lot into his shots, right? He's got a lot of power, this muscle on him. He, he grapples heavy too, and uh, the cardio doesn't quite match at times. So, yeah, that's sort of me. I'm, it's a stay off for me, but I could definitely see him winning even a unanimous decision um, or a late finish. So, yeah, and then and the then Phil Hall's Bruno Ferreira won. Uh, a good buy low spot for Bruno Ferreira. We ended up knowing I think who Rozzy Raboev was, and we knew that Rozzy Raboev was fucking 10 times bigger than Bruno Ferreira. And in this matchup, this is where Bruno Ferreira will have the physical advantages, not in height and reach, but in just, like, physical stoutness. He's not fighting a fucking 6'5 dude that's – dying to cut to middle middleweight for this fight. Like, he's going to be fighting Phil Halls, a dude that has a glass chin. It's a good stylistic matchup for him. Bruno Ferrer is either going to get it done in the first or second round, or he's going to lose. And then as far as the Ankalaya fight, the, the main event, um, I'm just staying off it. Ankalaya has so many weird things that happens in his fights. Like, although he benefited from the Anthony Smith injury, it was still a weird finish. You know, the last fight with Johnny Walker, how it finished with, and then also the the split decision, or well, no, the draw story that resulted in nobody getting a belt. Um, I can't even touch it. It's not even a main event. I want to really. I think Ankalaev wins. He's pretty chalky right now. That Vegas expects him to win. Um, either a, a KO or decision. Johnny Walker's chin is dusty, um, but he has been playing. He has been fighting smart, so it could go to decision. And I think Ankalaev just picks him apart and, and mixes in some grappling as well too. Um, yeah, I think Ankalab wins that fight, but I'm not touching it. I, I mean, you could maybe throw it in as a head. Mine's on the whack, 
That line's racked. We saw it. We saw it yeah. at 350 the first time that it was on that big uh, pay per view. They just got the angle. Right. And then now it's at minus 500. So it's just like, if you like Johnny Walker, like, I mean, if you like them at plus 275, you should like them at fucking 325. So it's like, if, but for the Ankaliyev betters, it's just like, you're a parlay them at 350. Do you want to parlay it at 500? Especially now that it's the main event, you got to wait around all night for your money. So it's just like, there's a lot of different reasons why you don't want to bet that fight. But the value boys are going to go to the window with Johnny Walker tickets and deservedly. So the line's a little bit whacked, but them value boys, they might be waiting at the window, waiting for the next ride because uh, I don't think it comes in this main event. Um, I think this main card besides uh, Jim Miller is going to be very chalky. I am with you. So I'm going to throw out one line right now that's out there for UFC Toronto. That's jumping out at me right now. Um, and then we will jump into who we are on and who we are off for one moment for the UFC. For basically, it's all UFC fighters. Actually, you can do whatever you want. Bellator fighters, whatever you want, because we don't know where they're going to end up. But um, who you want to sort of back moving into. I mean, Patchy Mix is somebody that we missed last year, that's for sure. Um, nah, that's not a, that's not a miss. That was like, uh, if you're in the know, you know. Yeah, I think my my little bit of bias with with um, Rafi and Stotts. But then again, that head kick, no one saw the fucking head kick coming. I think it's still even even Mix actually admitted it. He said the best matchup for him right now is Stotts. It's just, you know, he caught him with a head kick, or it's always the knee to the head uh, beginning of the fight. So it's like, um, yeah, it could be interesting. Okay, let me open this up here. A line that I want to look at is uh, Johan Linus against uh, Sam Pat Pattinson. Um I mean, it's a guy with extreme power who I've sort of, I guess, Canadian, yes, I've faded in the past because he fights Mike Malott, he fights some other guys where you're wondering if he's going to be able to, like, he throws so much into his shots. High-level Muay Thai fighter um, and lands with hell. If he touches you, you're going to sleep. Right now, sitting at minus 120. Johan Lioness, I think, wins this fight. I think Pattinson is overrated at the highest level. Um, absolutely overrated. I think he's one of the biggest fades there is. He doesn't like taking punches. When he is the, he's a horrible nail. He's a good hammer. He's a solid fighter at a certain level, um, but he's a, a horrible nail. And I think that Johan's going to crack that chin and crack that chin early. I think at the value of minus 120 right now, um, that's that's just a bet. So that's going to be one of my early plays. And depending on where the line is, it's going to be one of my plays. And I didn't expect Johan to be one of my top plays, but that will be the play if it sits around that. Um, going in because i think he cracks him early i think even the first round ko prop is something i might look at if it has value when it comes i know we're out the distance out from that fight um there'll be a lot to talk about with that whole card we'll have a giant round table with kyle nelson coming on board is a huge huge win man that guy loves to break down fights and he's a fighter when you get that two those two combinations together i mean he crushed um what the card that we just did together he, he broke down he won almost everything he called jo he called uh, josh emmett he trained with josh emmett called josh emmett he's like that, that's the value dog. He's like, let's parlay him up. I'm like, no, maybe we just bet him the money line and we go with the state parlay. And it's like, no, I put it together for him. The monster parlay, it hits. Um, I hit hardly anything that week, but he hits. So it looked good for the podcast. But yeah, anyways, Johan Line has the spot. Do you have anything to sort of touch on that before? Yeah. You want to look at? Um, one fight that I have circled on that card, um, I think wrong fighter favored. Bracketona minus 170 over Garrett Armfield at plus 145. I think a lot of things that Garrett Armfield does is going to neutralize Bracketona's uh, fighting style. And um, 
Eric Harmfield looked fucking good when he fought in Singapore over the summer. So uh, seeing him at plus 145 definitely caught my attention on that card. I'm, I'm not going to hate that pick. Although, you know, I could say I want to back Canadian and Katona. Um, that if there is something he does well, it's, it's catching you in those submissions and everything else in Katona. And Armfield, solid, man. He's able to fight out of positions. He's able to own positions, dominate positions with the wrestling, decent stand-up. He's he's somebody who actually I had my eye on that I didn't fully back last year, but I'd like to see what he can do this year for sure. Um, I, I think I sort of like him in that spot um, as well, too. So one Canadian fade, one Canadian back. And, yeah, uh, the price tag. Yeah, that price tag alone. I, I think it should be a pick him because if Bracketone isn't able to do what he's able to do, we saw in that last fight, an ultimate fighter uh, thing. That shit got a lot greasier than what that intended betting line was. Yep. I mean, if you don't have a plan B or a plan C, then it could be a problem. So definitely uh, with you on that. We'll jump into our, you know, tap out. So, you know, persons that not necessarily in a fade, but someone that we're not going to back anymore or someone that we're at least that maybe may have been like death taxes and decision or that like people that we really backed heavily that unless a matchup is really advantageous for them, I'm not going anywhere near their line. Um, I'm going to come out with my first person because I actually jumped off of the train of Anthony Smith, who I was able to cash at times, you know, and, and wanted to try to believe in the style and the setup. But the guy keeps talking about wanting to retire Looks like he's a step behind as much as anybody wants to try to sell me a different way. I hear it online, on podcasts, never else, everything else. Um, you know, fan of him, but that that is not a reason to back him. So, you know, that fights fall apart in his last, on his last card he was on, and I ended up making him my dog. What a mistake that was. Um, Anthony Smith is no longer going to be bet on by Cal and the Don't Tap podcast. You won't be seeing it from me ever. I don't care what I think about the matchup. I don't care about anything. He could be fighting the lowest guy. I'm not backing him. He's no longer a player. I'm I'm right there with you. I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, my first one on this list was uh, a, a guy that I was highly disappointed in. Shit, we might not even see him next year. Uh, Brad Riddell, um, three-fight mm-hmm. losing streak this year, all three by knockout, coming out of the coveted camp. The year prior, he had some. Uh, he had that big win against Drew Dober, um, or that was two years ago. Damn. Um, yeah, yeah, it's man. been a little bit. Brad Riddell, haven't seen him in the cage for a long time. I think we'll see him this upcoming year, and I won't have my money on him. And the second person on that list was uh, – this is more of a – because I know what his next fight is. Come on, baby. It's the Sugar Show. This is the easiest, easiest matchup for him to defend the belt. And I think off of that title loss – Cheeto's still going to be fighting the upper echelon in the division. They might even run back the Song Yudong fight or something like that. And I just think Cheeto's going to be a fade this upcoming year, man. Uh, before, Cheeto was kind of like a sleeper fighter that everybody wanted to get on type of backing him. Backing him last year was highly profitable. Um, besides the Corey Sanhagen loss, that was that was a split decision loss, but he absolutely shelled himself in that spot. But other than that, man, Cheeto's been a cash cow, but um, I think those days are... But let's uh, be honest, man. He didn't look that good against Pedro Munoz. That's what I'm saying. Right? Like, I, was, I was on the Munoz plus three and a half, and Munoz won a round in that fight. 100% Munoz won a round in that fight. I was pretty pissed that they gave it fully unanimous to, to Cheeto. Um, he didn't look that good. He looked slow, stuck in the butt, and stuck in his head. And he cuts his hair every time he changes his fights. And he also talks about his mental health and how he's sort of a little all over, the, like he's sort of erratic, right? 
He's not that he's guy. He says he's depressed or whatever, but he's sort of all over the place. And when he loses, like he didn't really respond too well. He's just there, there's something there. And I think that when he gets in the cage, unless he's fully in the right scenario where Cheeto Bear can go in and perform, which is not a good thing. You need to be able to be mentally open to fight. You're not just, you know, I have to be a certain way. Everything has to go a certain way for me to line up. And against Pedro Munoz, it didn't look good. And it wasn't just a matchups thing. I think I think Vera should have beat him pretty handily with what he could do. Cheeto Vera at his best beats Pedro Munoz handily, in my opinion. I think the matchup-wise, two strikers going toe-to-toe. I think he takes out his legs. Older guy damages him. I just think that's the way it should have been. He didn't. He looked bad. So and then, yeah, um, it was a, it was a lot greasier of a fight than what I intended it to be. I had a lot of money on Cheeto that night, but uh, yeah, I think Cheeto might get smoked by Sean O'Malley. So I'm gonna come in with a Dustin Jacoby with an asterisk. So if I see Dustin Jacoby in a certain matchup, I'll still hit a Justin Jacoby. But putting him out as a play, I mean, he was death taxes in Jacoby by decision. Although he's had a couple, you know. Maybe losses that he should have, it should judges sort of screwed him on or whatever we want to play with all of it. The reality is he's been now, you know, finished. Doesn't Jacoby's not a play anymore. I can't, I want to back him because I love the kickboxing style, but it's just for me, um, I'm off the Dustin Jacoby train. Um, I know that he, you know, he, he finished in what his second last fight, he comes in and he wins inside the distance. But for me, it's just not, it's not a death taxes in Jacoby thing for me anymore. Cause when I, I look at him on a ticket and I'd be like that, that's one of my first ones I'm probably going to base everything off of. And it's just not, it's not anymore. So it's not necessarily that I'm going to stay away from him fully. It's an asterisk next to him, but I'm not backing him. Yet. Yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, the one female fighter I had on this list, kind of a scrub pick, but it is what it is. I, I didn't have money on her in her last fight, but Misha Tate, man. Uh, I, I I get it. She won that third round. Uh, she got that third round choke on Julia Villa a couple weeks ago, but they're going to start putting her in legit fights, and she's going to be a fade next year. See, I actually have an asterisk next to Misha Tate on the other side of what you just said because I don't think they're going to put her in crazy competitive fights. I think they're going to put her in advantageous retirement fights as she mamas it out the door. She's, and they got to give her a title shot soon. And man, she yeah, I guess. Her. I mean, for me, I guess I'll, it'll have the asterisk next to it because it'll be like, how do they approach her? And if they approach her where they're trying to really push her into the mix and she's the top, whatever, then um maybe it won't be a play but for me i just thought that if she's looking at an approach of taking it to the ground she has an advantage on a lot of ladies um if she's just looking to finish the fight inside the distance get that submission out and not play on the feet um so if they give her some certain situations i'm going to be watching misha take she wasn't any of my top of list but she was somebody that i want to be watching just for the matchups because i think the ufc might give her one or two matchups and she may retire this year but it'll be misha advantage holly home who are you picking uh now uh Holly in the red, uh, right. I back, Holly, I back Holly home pretty heavily. Um, and she's worked for me with the new wrestling approach and everything else. I think yeah, I'd have to go with Holly in that. She's, she's progressive. She's always advancing. I'm looking at an angle with Misha Tate. Um, I think Holly home, although she's had some, uh, little bit of setbacks. I mean, she's added a new wrinkle in her game to the wrestling. That's another thing for me to look at. So yeah, no, in that situation, I would go home. Um, someone to watch out for, and I'm, I'm not going to go with an obvious like Malad or anything, because I mean that like, that was last year. If I called him out last year and you you, you cashed it, great. Everybody's on Malad now. Um, Syria City is someone to watch this year. Um, I know everybody's going to be like, you know, he's about minus 180 right now, and a guy he just beat, you know, was an early finish. That was an inevitable outcome. I've said this a thousand times. The striking level is is just it's 
leaps and bounds above. One guy's sort of setting you up nonstop. The other guy's just marching forward and trying to land the big shot sort of frantically. But some good boxing, don't get me wrong. But I think Siri wins this fight pretty handily, and I think he he's going to be put, you know, after he wins this fight, I think he's going to be put in some good spots, and he's going to show you what the hell he can do. He has a grappling game that we don't even we haven't even really seen yet, and uh, his stand up, he's just measured pressure, man. He stays outside the pocket just right, re-enters the pocket, lands when he needs to, and even when you think that his opponent is actually advancing on him, he's able to to counter counter hook. That lead check hook is beautiful. Uh, give me Siri City as one of the people to back going into the new year. I like that one. Um, one that I'll have listed, he only fights once a year, but is this the year that Montel Jackson puts all this hype together and he finally cracks the topper echelon of the division? You know, is a guy that they always often compare to the John Jones of Bantamweight of the division with his grappling style and how big his hands are. But it feels like he's never really reached that top upper echelon of the division. And uh, this is the year that I think he does. He had that tune-up fight against Ronnie Yaya, absolutely demolished him. And uh, where do you go after that? You know, the, the next fight was scheduled against Chris Gutierrez. That would have – now in hindsight, it looks like Song Yudong got himself a good main event matchup. But that was supposed to be Montel Jackson's build-up fight. So we'll see what he gets matched up with for the next upcoming year. But – uh, that's depending on matchup one, but that's not a bad play. Depending on his matchups, he does have a style that um, he can go in there and just dust people. So I like it. Um, one person I forgot that was on my fade list. We already talked about Mata that I added to the list. Ian Machado Gary. Um, I emphasize the Machado. Now, this has nothing to do with personal hate from the – not personal hate, but just the, the bullshit that's online. Let's just throw all that all out the window. I wanted to see Malat be the one to crack his chin. But Jeff Neal is going to be the one to crack his chin. One thousand yeah. percent. In my opinion, I think this is a horrible matchup for him. I think Jeff Neal has enough defensive wrestling to keep it on the feet. If if Ian Gary wants to go there and not be cocky, trying to stand in and out, entering sloppily with his head up, he's got good striking. He's got good distance and range management, but his head's still exposed. And I think Neal can crack that that melon um, if he doesn't get the flu. I mean, I would want to get the flu for this fight. Um, I think Neal's going to be pissed off, but measured and go in and land some big shots. And I think he gets Machado Gary out of there in that fight. So I think Gary's the fade this year. Because, I mean, what's the worst-case scenario? You lose to Neil, then who do you get next? Malad off a of victory? Because that's pretty much the lineup, right? And then, sure, great matchup. You see, we want to see how that goes, but that's another killer. So it's Machado Gary, to me, is the fade. And there's guys calling out his name. Everybody's hungry for him. It's not a good – I don't think it's going to be a not good year for him. Not in, yeah. I think it's one of the biggest stay-offs. If you've been backing Gary and Cashin, 100%. not hating on the guy for any of this shit because half of that stuff with all that trash is bullshit and trumped up so people can get reels and whatever else. Leave the kid alone on that. But the style and his cockiness is going to come home to roost, plain and simple. Yeah, 1,000%. Uh, One person I'm in on this year, I should say, all in on, I mean, do you have a better 2023 year than fucking Brandon Allen, man? For mm, that, you know what? Listen. What a way to end it. So I'll let you continue. That is the dude. That's the dude. He's him, bro. Four inside the distance rear naked chokes this year. They started putting him in main events. He's gonna he's gonna be the fighter that fucks around and fights a dude like Sean Strickland, and he ends up ripping his fucking neck off. If you look at that upper echelon of the division. Man, his grappling. Just Everything's rear naked, dude. He gets your back. He has a way to get to it. He's when you, when you have a guy who has a strategy and he implements it like a like an assassin. 
that's a scary thing. Brendan Allen, actually, like, it's funny you say that. I, although we didn't do a, a year podcast wrap up, I'm probably putting out a reel with some of my top fighters. And I've been going back and forth and I may put out like a, a quick hit of a multiple fighters. He's one of the fighters of the year. Like Facts. you have to say it. Like I like he's just inside the distance, bro. All rear naked chokes. We backed him in his last fight. It was like, bro, y'all not watching Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen is not the same dude that fought Kevin Holland in the fucking LFA main event like five, six years ago. The kid's grown up. He's got kids. He's got a family, a wife. And he's fighting for money, man. Uh, he might be a prize fighter right now, but all those uh, times of being a prize fighter is all about the cash in because if you put the chips in the middle, man, it's going to pay off. And uh, he's going to get one of those coveted matchups this year. They have to. Uh, maybe a more Vittori. And, and, and this spot isn't even a spot where you say, like, depending on his matchups, it's like he's well-rounded everywhere. He's got great stand-up. He's got good cardio. He finished his guys late. He's got a strategy to finish guys early and finish guys late. I sort of jumped off the Brennan Allen chain maybe about a year and a half ago because I backed him and there was a little bit of hiccups. But, man, I'm in. I'm in. Brennan Allen's the dude. He is the dude, and he's at the camp. That is the camp of the year next year, I think, Hill Clips. So um, talking to Aaron Jeffrey about, like, inside what goes on in that camp and that, and that like, he talks about, like, it's just you never have a, a situation where you're walking in and there's not steel, like high-level steel to sharpen steel. There's just so many guys and people have different thoughts to small camps versus big camps, but they have a core group of big camp now. It's not guys going in and out. There's a core group of, of you got Imbuka Sanganite there. It's a weird you know, camp, though. Camp. If you're at the upper echelon, yeah, I like you at that camp, but if you're in that middle, lower tier. Yeah, I know. You'll get ignored. 100%. You're not getting those Henry Hoof sessions. 100%. Um, what was the one thing I was just thinking when you had said that? Yeah, so Brendan Allen, definitely someone to back. Um, so going into the new year, we'll be doing the, the couch versus the cap. Uh, sorry, the couch versus the coach. I may just call it the capper versus the coach, but I sort of like the idea of the couch versus the, the coach. A um, little more, yeah, I guess, brandable as far as people are like, what the hell is that? Um, but the idea is to have some high level cappers, but also some passionate ass MMA fans and gamblers on that are going to go head to head with MMA fighters, coaches, even some amateur guys, like not amateur, but like regional guys that I have around here that are breaking down fights that know how to break, you know, know how to train people and love to break down fights. Kyle Nelson will be jumping off for UFC Toronto. We'll be doing a giant round table. Um, proper MMA picks is coming on board. Um, probably hopefully see him on a couple of times throughout the year. We'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, I'll have him on. You're going to be on. We'll have Kyle Nelson on as well, too. And I, I've been talking to TJ Laramie as well, too. So I may be able to get him on if I can. That'll be awesome. Big round table. Maybe everybody bring about two spots to the table. If more come out, they come out. Um, but I'm excited for that. Excited for the new year. And Billy Briss, thank you for everything that you've been doing. Um, I appreciate um, you jumping on and, and helping support this podcast that isn't quite there yet, is it? But I'm telling you right now, I've, I've been talking and, and working with a social media, um, somebody, a social media sort of manager type person who's been sort of breaking down some missteps and some steps that I need to take. Um, also, just bringing on people like you and bringing on people like Mr. Plus Money and bringing on people that have um, the knowledge base and the know-how to, you know, bring value to the podcast. Yeah, man, I always appreciate the invite. Uh, 2023 was a year of uh, relationships, man. You know, you got to you got to build new relationships, get rid of the ones that aren't really, uh, you know, that's my advice to the people. You got to get rid of the old relationships, the ones that aren't really getting you to that goal, because uh, 2025 is the coveted year, man. We want to have it by 2025. 2024 is like the get on the radar everybody's looking who's that who's that and then 2025 is like the 
we're here. And I want to do a special thanks to Crew LA from the House of Champions. I was down there, probably the most underrated gym with three UFC fighters. The only, um, you know, three and O um, gym that would have three fighters on back to back to back. The coach goes out there with his fighters. He's got Malat, he's got Belbita, he's got Kyle Nelson. So I walk in and, and crew gives my family and myself some brand new hoodies. Love it. So health champions right there. Just a little Christmas gift, right? Just a little thank you. And always treats me like family when I'm in there. He sees the importance in the podcast. He sees the importance in the breakdowns and, and everybody makes a community is what he always says. But at top of that, I got to see Diana Bobita in there or Diana Bobita in there um, hitting pads. And she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. We're all in Canadian gear. I have some clips from that. I'll be putting out and uh, excited for her fight coming up. Also, I walked into the other room and I see Cameron Van Camp training with Mike Malott. So definitely an interesting scenario. I know everybody, Twitter was blown up and all the simps and everybody was upset because Cameron Van Camp was taking pictures with Deanna. But um, he was there training with Malott. So. Definitely um, some exciting stuff going on out of Stony Creek, out of Hamilton, out of Southern Ontario. Excited for the new year. Fuck it, man. We got the UFC Toronto to pop off the year. Make sure you guys hit that like, subscribe on your way out. Make sure you guys check out those fucking reels on IG and YouTube. Those IG reels are fucking doing numbers. If you guys haven't noticed, man, them shits are eventually yeah. cracking 1K every time you tag me in one of them. And uh, we're getting a lot of likes, a lot of comments. So shouts to everybody that's uh, still watching with us at this point of the podcast. And, uh, Man, like some of these reels this year have just been going off, man. Like the Bobby Green, Crit Dawson one, I think it was the wrong prediction, and we still got damn near 4K. And views. the goal this year is to take that Instagram following and convert it over to the subscriptions on YouTube. Because I yes. have all, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm going to be at a thousand very soon. And that is all going to just all, I'm going to get everybody with whatever strategy I have to with aggressive, hey, literally me talking on a reel saying, see this button? Click it. I will do it if I have to. Um, either way, for Billy Briz of Pub Sports Radio, I'm Callum McGregor. Tune into the Don't Tap Podcast.